our first guest has rolled up mm-hmm. on the line, and it's a fascinating story, Chris Hyland, and kind of ironic, isn't it, as we discuss these last two runners are winners. Uh, um, and what a fascinating career he's had and what a, what a great life, and it's moving on to another role with, uh, uh, with Graham Begg. And Chris has always been really vocal about issues and so on, and I remember talking to him about staff crisis and things like that, and I'm wondering what the, the, the reasons have been since uh, for him to call it quits on a career that began in 2004, and it's had its ups and downs over the years, and Chris is actually on the line. We might even bring him in. How are you, Chris? Yeah, good guys, and yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Did this make it a, a, a difficult decision? Have a listen to this from yesterday. It's coming after Adki. Adki leads narrowly. Miss Tightline, Defroster the length away. Royal Wazi tries to make ground. They draw down to the 200. Defrosted picking up with Miss Tightline. Defrosted the outside. Miss Tightline. Defrosted goes up and well done, Chris. Great way to finish. Well, it was defrosted. So you're two for two for your last two runners. If you kept that momentum up and you kept training for the next five years, you'd be the richest trainer in the world. But it's just not that easy, Chris. No, I could do a John Farnham and come back, but no, I'm very, um, I'm very happy with my decision. And uh, yeah, it's, um, Graham offered me a job a couple of weeks ago. They had offered me a job a few years ago when they were at Caulfield, which sort of wasn't suitable at the time. Um, but I always had something in the back of my mind because probably in my last few years I sort of scaled down to a smaller team and pretty much did it myself and and um, was making a living quite comfortably but the trade-off with that is you can't really have a day off at all and um, with a reasonably young family or getting to the teenage years where they still sort of like you a little bit um, I thought I'd better make the most of it and, uh, and that's the way we went and I'm quite happy with the decision. When trainers make these decisions, it sort of sheds a bit of light into potentially bigger stories and bigger issues. Heath Connors, uh, I think he went out a winner as well, Heath Connors, a few years ago, and he told the story of, of similar, to, similar to you, family, hours, um, the relentless grind and things like that. What If you were to crystallise, it sounds like family might be the answer, but if you were to sort of bullet point some of the reasons for the decision, what would they be? No, it was more the fact that I got offered the job and... Uh spoke to my accountant about it and we'd been we'd been going not super comfortably but we'd been going okay for a fair while and um and yeah he just looked at it it was comparable with what i was earning and um but a little bit more time off able to have holidays i'm 53 now so physically it'll be a little bit easier um than doing it all myself so look maddie i think any small business whether it's racing or any other business it definitely has its challenges, but um, you ask anyone in small business, if you don't put in, you don't get the results. And uh, I don't, you know, I, I've always started very early in the morning and I'll continue to start early in the morning in my role at Graham's and I don't really have an issue with that. And I think, um, yeah, you just got to work around staffing and all those sort of things. Staffing is a bit of a problem, but um, Graham has a lot of staff and good staff and he looks after them really well. Uh, I've always been the same. I've had a guy, man deep with me for the last five years. He's moved over to Graham's with me. Um, he's been fantastic. I've given him a share in horses along the way, and we've had a lot of fun together, and he's a really good mate. So I think, um, yeah, there's ways to work around it and have a lot of fun and enjoy the game. But in this scenario, I got offered a job and sort of weighed things up and thought, yeah, going forward at my age, it's probably a smart move to move on, you know. 
Mandeep's an interesting one, isn't he? Because uh, when you and I were discussing Mandeep a couple of years ago, when the issue of the staff crisis really blew up, and your attitude was trainers have to be a little bit more proactive and involved with the nurturing of their staff. And tell us about Sandeep, because Sandeep just wandered in one day, totally unskilled, and you took it upon yourself to skill him up. Well, Mandeep, not Sandeep. But uh, sorry, Mandeep. He said it right the first time. Chris. Did I? Did I sand deep him? Sorry, he's he's back to Mandeep. He's back to Mandeep. But, but funny enough, um, funny enough, he had no real experience, and he rang me out of the blue. And I hope he doesn't mind me telling the story. I was telling it to Graham Staff the other day, making a bit of fun of it. But um, and he said that I said, if you had any experience, I actually wanted someone with experience. And he said. Um, Oh, not a lot, but, you know, just give me a go with an F-bomb in the middle of it. And uh, I said, yeah, no worries. So he started the next day. And within a couple of days, I realised that he had no experience at all. And I said to him, what sort of experience did you have? And he said, oh, my dad had a donkey and a cow in India. And uh, I said, well, that's not really horse experience. And he said, well, they've got legs and a tail. It's the same difference. And, and he's got a good sense of humour. And him and I got along really well for the time we were together, and um, yeah, he's he's been a really good asset to my stable, and I think he's the same for Graham, and so there's people out there that really want to do it and enjoy racing, and you've just got to recognise that and um, and make it enjoyable for them too, make it enjoyable to come to work, because um, I think that's half the key, make, make people want to come there, you know. Uh, Chris, Matt Nevitt here, congratulations on your career. Um... Just on that, so uh, we, we heard yesterday Matt Welsh was in the studio and was, he talked about engagement with, with Michael Felgate. And I guess that the engagement he was alluding to was more around punters, betting on the sport, etc. But the other sort of engagement that I'm interested in is people actually wanting to get into horse racing and work in horse racing. And you're you're you know at the back end of, of a training career. And you, for you what, do you, what do you think can be done to attract people into the sport to actually get involved and either work as stable well, hands or become a new, I, you know, a trainer themselves. How can you or actually even just make as it? fans? Yeah, I, yeah. How yeah. can you make I, it appealing well, to people? You know what? I, I think the the first people you've got to start with is the kids of families that are already in racing because they're already converted. Now, my daughter's in the car with me today. She's had a couple of days off school. Um, we've had a bit of issues with her going back to school, and she goes back to school next week. Now. She came to the races with me yesterday. Um, my my horses are still in the stables at the trotting complex where I train from because they're on the online auction today. And so they've still got to be looked after for a week while I do Graham's work. Now, she's 13 years of age, nearly 14. Um, this morning she went over and did all the yards and fed seven horses and cleaned up all the yards, which would have taken me two and a half hours. And um, so, but she's been taught that from a very young age. Now, her mate, and her niece, they want to come to the track and see what's done. They, If they come once, they want to come again. And so her mates from school, if they come up the farm and ride the ponies, they want to come back and do it again. So for mine, you've got all these kids that are siblings of racing people that if you let them, um, you know, technically Layla's not allowed to start working until she's 14. Now, uh, there's a degree, you've got to be careful how they learn and it's got to be safe and all that sort of thing. And that's that's the reason they, they can't start till they're 14. But in our family, we've got horses at a farm. We've, it's a family business. She's got to learn from a very young age to do it 
safely. And, and that's why she's able to do that at an age of 13. Now, I just know that when Layla and my niece go up the farm, they got two old track saddles off me the other day. They saddled the ponies up. They're racing up and down the hill. And you think, this is the next generation of kids that will be racing people. So then, if you can feed off those kids, their mates or whatever, I don't know how you do that. But, um, you know, as I say, if they come to the races with, with my kids, they think, gee, this is a bit of fun. So maybe that's an angle to sort of attract people to come in. You know? Well... Interesting, we're going down this road with this discussion because something I've touched on before and I've actually touched on it in a, a column I'm writing for Winning Post uh, this week which will be then put on the RSM website as well about the difficulty that the racing industry has had and I'm not just saying it's a Victorian thing, it's probably all around Australia of the relationship they once had with schools, particularly primary schools. Sub-Zero was a good entry point for that. That has become increasingly difficult with the mm. community, school, wokeism, whatever you want to call it, the the difficulty of convincing schools to become involved in racing tours, uh, tours of racetracks and so on. So what you say is is, a, is an entry point that doesn't require that, but it's probably the, probably the entry points have to be expanded and, and the schools have to be really resold the message of racing. And, you know, there's all this pressure on gambling and things like that, but there is so much more to racing, Chris, as you and I know, and we all know, uh, that are very, very appealing entry points about uh, horse management and care and enjoyment and fun and hanging out with your mates and so on. So they are there, but they just have to be found, refound and, and highlighted, don't they? Yeah, and I know... Um I know Mandeep, when he was working for me, would some afternoons bring his daughter down to see the horses, um, you know, and he'd feed the horses and the daughter would sit in, um, her would sit in the, the hay cart while he was doing the work. And so now you look at the area of Cranbourne, the, the Indian community there is, is so vast in that area that maybe that's the next generation of people that will follow racing. Now, I don't know if that's a part of their culture, but I know from my experience with Mandeep, that he enjoys it and he brings his daughter down and she's patting the horses and got the biggest smile on her face of all times. And you think, okay, it, it makes you feel happy to see that he wants to bring his family down to see where he works, you know? And um, I, I don't know, I'm not an expert in trying to make those things happen, but I just know what I see and I know what I see with my own kids and I know what I see with my daughters, my, um, my niece, Madeline, um, they come down and they've just got they just enjoying it so much it's not funny. So then then you, if you could drag two people off each of those kids, um, then it'd snowball. And and again with Mandeep, I don't know whether whether there's a lot of people in the Indian community that like horses or animals or whatever. But I see that firsthand and I think, gee, his daughter actually likes animals and she might finish up being a racing person further down the track. Hey, Chris, there's an interesting text message that I want to get to in a moment that I just want to get your thoughts on. But before that, I believe one of your former owners has jumped on the line. He wants to give you a bit of a shout-out. <laughs> goes by the name of Clarky. That's all I've got in front of me. So, Clarky, welcome into Big V Racing. You can say hello to, uh, to Chris if you like. Yeah, thanks, Maddie and Maddie. Uh, Chris, thanks so much, mate. I simply sent the boys a text. As a small owner, you've just provided me with a, a couple of uh, life thrills. And as I put in the text, your communication, your integrity, um, you've just been an absolute delight. Um, you know, sort of, I know I'm, you've had many, many owners over the years, but uh, no, just a shout-out to you, Chris, and um, good luck for you and Mandeep, not Sandeep, the great purple pants Mandeep, 
Uh, good luck in your future with Granny, Chris. Get that money later, Clarky, but thanks very much. <laughs> no worries, mate. Hey, Clarky, Clarky. Chris, there's a few shades of Chris. He can be a bit vocal and volatile from time to time, but he's a lovable big bear with a good heart as well. Have you have you seen the many shades of Chris Highland? Um, no, I've probably seen the, the nice one. I know you've, you two have flashed on. Uh, <laughs> I'm a great jump fan, and that's how I got first involved with Chris. And, uh, um, yeah, gave me one of the great thrills was uh, the great horse, Kara Karam. Um, uh, could have gone on to be anything, but that's another story. Um, uh no, always quite affable to me, but uh, no, I've heard a couple of stories from his good mate Stopsy, so uh, you don't want to be with him on the bad night after the football on the train, put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, there's yeah. a few of us like that, I think, probably, no, yeah. He's not Pat Malone yeah, there. Malone. Hey, stay on the line, Clarky, and uh, enjoy the chat. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, you and I have had our disagreements over the years, Chris, haven't we? But uh, I think we've always had the same affection for the game and always trying to think of ways uh, where things can be improved and worked on? For sure. And I think I think where participants get a bit aggrieved with comments that the press make on occasions is because it affects you long-term. And, and I know through that jumping period, uh, when I was going very successful successfully at, at the jumps, that there was a lot of pressure on. And, and in the end, I walked away from it and... I, and um, down the track, I thought, oh, I was a bit weak to walk away from it. And I had differing emotions along the way. But um, you so, I, I sort of, I thought um, at the time and to other participants or, or to the jumping bodies, I sort of, very early doors, I suggested that they should perhaps donate money to horse welfare. And because I thought it was always going to be an issue. And I think... I really love jumps racing. I loved jumps racing growing up, um, but it's it, it had got a little bit difficult, and and that's why I walked away from it. It's made a bit of a resurgence um, of late, and it's been quite good of late. But I think there's still a couple of pressing issues. One is there's not a lot of jockeys, um, and that will cause them a little bit of issue down the track. And there's not a lot of new trainers doing it. And so I think that's an area. The jumps racing has had a resurgence. It's it's very safe and it's going well again. But I think um, if you look at the list of jockeys, there's not a lot there. And it's the usual usual suspects that are training them. So we need some young guys to come through. And there's guys at Ballarat, you know, Archie Alexander and those sort of guys that train a lot of stayers and really good staying trainers. And it'd be great if they had a jumper or two because they're in the area that it's probably easier to do it. But um, you can't make those people do it. But um, they're really good trainers of stayers. So I presume... They could be very good trainers of jumpers as well. You know? Absolutely. Uh, Karakaram, uh, the one I remember most, and I wonder whether he might have been one of your all-time favourites, he was a sort of a difficult horse in some ways, was the, the mighty jumper Toulouse-Lautrec, who won a string of uh, races 10 or 15 years ago. I think he won an Australian steeple. He went around favourite in the Grand National Steeplechase, from memory, as a hot favourite, and I think he, I think he came a cropper... Uh, we see when you reflect on your memories of your training career, and it was a fairly long career. You had a Warnable Cup winner in there, and a lot of nice horses. But Toulouse Lautrec is the one that comes mostly to mind for me for some reason, Chris. Yeah, because uh, Hawks had won the Queensland Derby with him, and then he had a year with the Freedmans, and um, and he I think he had won a race, but then he had been two years without a win when um, Graham Mapp sent him down to me, or Gary White advised Graham Mapp to send him down to me, um, and. 
we got him going and he won a lot of races and Graham that's the only time he came down to watch him was in Grand National Day and he fell in the Grand National. He did a suspensory. He actually the ground was quite firm and he put a foot down and faulted and he did the suspensory on that foot that he put down. But he was a brilliant jumper in front. His front legs got over really easily and uh, his back legs he just didn't lift them up. So it was the period when they had those yellow jumps which you could get away from it and he get away with it, sorry. And um and he had so much more flat ability than the horses he was racing that he only needed to get the front legs over and the rest uh, looked after itself. So he wasn't a pretty jumper, but um, but he filled the bank account up for that season anyway. Retiring trainer Chris Highland's on the line. Well, I can sort of say he's retiring. He's still going to stay on in the industry, but he's finishing up his own training operation. Uh, Matty just touched on the Warnable Cup. Chris, let's have a listen to Wichita Star winning the Warnable Cup last year. But Wichita Star exploded to the lead with 200 left to go and raced away from Grand Slam. Nerve not verb, Constantinople and Queen takes King. Wichita Star three in front with 100 to go. You did have a Midas touch, Chris, with horses, and uh, Wichita Star, as Adam Cretton explained there, the improvement, and that was a special day. Uh, Sam was down from Queensland. Port Ferry was just down the road where your old man Pat grew up. Uh, uh, There's a lot of ingredients that made that a special day. It was great. Um, uh, Dad's sister, who, who's sort of got a bit of ill health, Mari, or, and my godmother, um, she, she's in the horse. Her son's in the horse. Um, it was just a, a really fantastic day. Um, he was a fantastic horse, a very quirky horse, a really bad um, yard walking horse, and a little bit, oh yeah, a little bit quirky. He's actually oh, we've sent him to Gavin Beechgood, and Gavin sent me a video of him uh, working in the bush track the other day, and he looks outstanding, and he's settled in really well. So hopefully, um, if he can stay sound, I think Gavin will get some good results with him because I I actually think he looks he looks better than when I had him and. Um, and, and so he doesn't need to improve a lot um, to have some more nice races in him if he can stay sound. But, um, yeah, Warnable Cup Day. The other race that I wanted to win was the Warnable Grand Annual, and I nearly won that. I led all the way. Uh, Frankie very much run over us the last 50 metres. So those type of races at the carnival, they just um, give you shivers up your spine when you're watching them. And, and um, yeah, I don't know. It just, had a, it just had a feeling leading into it, uh, which a chart star. That you just it just was meant to be, and um, I get really nervous at the races, and and that's why I'm going to enjoy retirement. And but on the days when I've won some nice races, I've won a Mildura Cup and some really good jump racing and a Bletchingly Stakes, um, and you just get a real calmness, and you just sort of think, oh, I don't know. Every time I've won a nice race, for some reason I'm in the Manning Yard, and I just feel really calm. And where there's other days where you feel really anxious. And you wonder what the result's going to be and that sort of thing. So those days when it's really calm, you should be just going in the betting ring and loading up. But um, I never have the confidence to do that. But I just know that, that most of the time when I've won a nice race, I've, I've just felt really calm on the day. And that was no different on Warrnambool Cup Day. Well, now that you've retired, you've given away you know, the towel. You know, so if I've ever seen you calm in the mounting out, I could have launched. But now you've given it away. So you've... I had picnics even. I mean, you used to... I remember Balnarring one day I was down there. You won a race... Uh, you know, doesn't matter what level, does it? The, the the joy of winning's always the same. And now with Graham, I imagine you're uh, looking forward to taking a, a slight step back, but still part of a very uh, 
a very big stable with a lot of nice horses. So that those thrills and the highs and lows and the calm days and the nervous days will still be there to, to a degree. Yes, um, I started last Friday, and it's I worked for Johnny Hawks for a couple of years when I was younger, and it, and it's not dissimilar to that. And um, and so you go for this long period of time going at your own speed, and then uh, and then you move into a big operation and realise that it's a it's a pretty big operation, and it requires everyone to turn up and and um, you know, and it's a it's it's big business, and um, it's nice to be a part of that. It's really professionally run, Graham leaves no stone unturned. I've worked for him for about five years doing a bit of horse transport and, um, and you just don't get anyone more fastidious than Graham. So if a horse is going to get a result, he'll certainly get it out of them. Hey, Chris, I'm going to read you a text message and I want you to just elaborate on whether or not you think it's a fair comment or not. I just I think it's an interesting text. It's very sad and bad for racing that these middle-run trainers are choosing other options. The big factory trainers make racing boring. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, I don't. Look, look. Um, there's still a lot of options, and you, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of country racing. There's a lot of country people that make money out of 58 rating races, and that's I had a go at my brother Sam a couple of months ago because um, they they were he works on SEN track, and sometimes they get on there and go, oh, this is a race of gazumpers and and that sort of stuff. And I and I said to Samuel, mate, the last 10 years I've made my money out of those sort of horses, like. I'm still making a living out of those horses. Now, I mightn't be making the money that Kira Mar's making, but I'm making enough to support my family, and uh, sometimes that's all you need to do. Not everyone needs to aim for the stars, and some people are content to go to the country races, make their modest living, but just enjoy their life. And so it's not for everyone. Now, um, in this scenario, I was offered a job. Uh, it looked attractive to me, Um I think it'll free me up a little bit, but it'll still be a busy job, and it'll and it'll still be high pressure to a degree. But at the end of the day, um, every second week I'll probably be able to get a Sunday off, and probably in twelve months' time I'll be able to say to Graham, mate, I want a couple of weeks off. Now I haven't been able to do that for the last four years, so that's an area I'm looking forward to. But I think, um, yeah, you know, you can still go to these bush meetings and and. Um, there's still a lot of people enjoying themselves and still making a living out of lower-grade races. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't totally agree with that. Well said. Very yeah, well said. Absolutely. Hey, Chris, we appreciate you jumping on. There was one final text that came through as well. Which team does Chris support? You're a, you're a Tigers man, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Feral, hey, feral Tigers There's only one team. Are they going to challenge again this year or is it all over? Well, that's part of the reason for taking the position <laughs> so I can, uh, you know, you, you, if you're going to be in the finals and... And fighting for the premiership again, you need to be able to go. Yeah. What an early crow that like, is. I've yeah. changed jobs so I can go and see that, the Tigers that, in the finals. That's nearly as they bad. They haven't as, bounced the first ball yet. It's nearly, <laughs> nearly as bad as me as a Melbourne supporter booking your flight home from Cairns on grand final morning, only for them to get rolled in the first two weeks of the finals. Chris, don't get ahead of yourself. And in 10 years' time, when Graham gives you five days off, uh, we'll hook up in Bali and we'll sit on the beach and reflect. <laughs> yes, no. Looking forward to, looking forward to the position, and uh, I've sort of settled in. We're sort of a week in now, and um, and it's enjoyable, and let's hope that's the way it goes. But I've certainly enjoyed my career, and no regrets. Yeah, congrats on a great career, mate, uh, and all the best in the future. We appreciate your time. Good on you, mate. Cheers. Chris Island joining us there on Big V Racing.